Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Bantam Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. So happy to have you back on board here. Very exciting times. We're in November. Uh, the fall season's wrapping up. Winter season right around the corner. Thought it'd be a great opportunity, a great time to introduce the new athletic director here at Trinity College in his first year. Let's well, welcome Drew Galbraith. Drew, thank you so much for joining us here on the Bantam Spotlight Podcast. And just, if you can, just talk, what's your first year like been here at Trinity? Well, thanks, Mike. It's hard to think that it's been almost a full calendar year since I started at Trinity. Uh, my first official day was back uh, January 2nd of 2018. So it's been uh, kind of a whirlwind, as you would expect, in any new role. We have so many great things going on at Trinity and uh, I've been doing a little bit of both uh, Thanksgiving reflection as well as just year-end reflection. Uh, we had a great winter last year with some outstanding performances from our basketball and hockey teams. And then, of course, men's squash win the national championship uh, last year, uh, the 17th under Coach Asiante. Women's squash finished second in the country. So the winter started off with a bang. We had some great uh, things happen for our spring sports. Uh, we had some individual national championship qualifiers for the first time in a long time in a few sports like swimming, wrestling, and then track, uh, and then women's across and another great run. So the, the, the winter and spring were great. Uh, we had a, a busy summer as we got ready to launch a fundraising campaign that we'll talk about a little, little bit later. And then we headed right into the fall, and, and I think my, my biggest accomplishment I didn't do anything to screw up what Coach Devaney does with our football program as uh, Trinity football won its third straight NESCAC championship this fall, uh, along with some other great performances from some of our teams. So uh, that was what I said to someone immediately after we won the game at Wesleyan to clinch the NESCAC title was, thank goodness I didn't do anything to mess up with an outstanding program that Jeff runs. (laughs) No question about it. Jeff's been a friend of the podcast. He's come on before, but you're right. Over the years now, Trinity football, just unbelievable. Well, Drew, let's just quickly backtrack. I can learn about all my guests here. Let's, where, first of all, talk about your love of sports, where where you grew up, obviously in Minnesota and Delaware. What was your favorite sport growing up? What did you play? Well, so my connection to sport uh, began like a lot of people that I, I meet who work in the world of sports. It was you know, at a very young age, and I uh, was one of those kids who was just kind of fascinated by it. My dad was a college athlete uh, in the Midwest, and so we were we were a sports family. But my probably I was three years old, and my family took me to a high school basketball game. I grew up in Woodbury, Minnesota. It was just east of St. Paul, Minnesota, and the high school basketball team was very good, and our neighbor taught me how to keep a book at three years old. Um, I've always loved numbers. I've been a little precocious with math, and so I was keeping the keeping a book in the stands when I was three, four years old for high school basketball. And then we would go to Minnesota Twins games, and I'd do it at baseball games, and then University of Minnesota games. So for me, it was just kind of the learning process, the excitement of sport, um, and my family's love of it. So growing up, it was whatever the season was, that was our sport. So it was you know, basketball and hockey in the winter. It was uh, football in the fall, it was baseball and anything else in the spring and summer. And so that that love affair with sports became something that was, quite frankly, a bit of an obsession. I'm going to give you two examples, Mike, of this obsession that was a little gone wrong for a child. <laughs> uh, I, had, I had a best friend in Minnesota. He, ha- ironically, was a Red Sox fan, uh, based on where I live now. Uh, I was a Twins fan. And so we would, as four 
four-year-olds, five-year-olds go in the backyard every summer afternoon, and we would, between the two of us, we would get our little uniforms on and reenact a nine-inning baseball game. <laughs> I'm singing the national anthem. Um, we also did, we would do this a little bit in the fall with, with football games, and our parents thought we were crazy. Uh, now, this then blossomed into, uh, after my family moved to Delaware uh, a few years later, my brother and I went to private school, and we had about a 45-minute bus ride. And my parents would buy me those sporting news. Uh, they were thick books. Uh, you might you might be, Mike, a little too young to remember these. They were called, like, the it would be the NBA register, the NFL register, uh, the Major League Baseball register. And it was literally just chock full, about 400 pages of just stats, up-to-date stats, pre-internet of every player in the major leagues or in the NBA, NFL, et cetera. I would just memorize those. <laughs> and so my brother, who was five years older, his friends thought it was a nice parlor game on the bus to just quiz me. And they would say, you know, Green Bay Packers, 1983, starting running back. I'd say, Eddie Lee Ivory. And, you know, <laughs> we would just be off to the races. So um, I, I realized looking back oh, so many years later that that wasn't the most healthy uh, childhood passion, but I stayed out of trouble. So, and that was the most important thing. So, uh, so then it was uh, straight into uh, high. I went to high school in Delaware and and uh, played whatever they would let me play. Uh, lacrosse is probably my best sport, and um, I you know, played a little basketball as well. But lacrosse is definitely the one that uh, drew me a little bit of recruiting attention to, ironically, some NESCAP schools. Uh, but my my brother had gone to William and Mary before me, and he was the one that really. Uh, in, I, I idolized him. He was five years older, and so I thought William & Mary was college, and that's why I chose to go there without a team and very quickly realized I missed team sports uh, desperately. So I was the kid who, two weeks into college, walked into the athletic director's office and asked for a job, and, and the rest is history. Yeah, that's a great segue. So talk about it. You went to William & Mary. Talk about the activities you did beyond the classroom, uh, Drew, uh, at William & Mary. I, I didn't realize... When I got to William and Mary, this is uh, in the fall of 1991. I didn't realize that there was this world where you got to actually work in sports. I thought that uh, that was just kind of fantasy land. So when I realized you could do all these interesting, exciting things that challenged you uh, mentally and you know, physically, and still work in sport, I, I was I was in love. So I really viewed everything I did outside of the classroom at William and Mary was all about you know being in the athletic department. Uh, I was working there 40, 45 hours a week as a sophomore, junior, senior, uh, to, the, to the extent where some of my mentors, who were longtime William & Mary coaches, actually thought that I was a full-time employee then, and they, they still uh, get a little confused about, what? wait, you went here? When did you actually graduate? Oh, but you were working with my team then. Yeah, but I just I loved it so much, so <laughs> I would do anything they would let me, and so that was, uh, that was communications, it was PR, it was marketing, I would do PA for these sports. I did radio for those sports. So it was, uh, it, it was really the love affair was born then. And, uh, and so then that led me to obviously want to do it afterwards. So my first job out of college was working at VCU, which is just about an hour up the road from Williamsburg, Virginia, and Richmond, Virginia. And I was doing media relations and broadcasting there uh, for, for four years after William and & Mary. And, um, you know, you at every stop along the way, Mike, you get to meet, as I'm sure you've seen in your career, you get to meet uh, different personalities, different people, different stories, and it all just keeps building and building. And it's, it's, a, it's such a fun experience to get to see young people progress and grow and, 
uh, achieve greatness on and off the court. And you know, those are those are the stories that I used to tell as when I was in communications and broadcasting. And now, uh, as an athletic director, you get to support the students getting to have those experiences. And then you obviously went on to the University of Nebraska in Omaha, uh, and then Dartmouth. I feel like that was a big break too, big school Ivy League. Uh, 2004. Just talk about that transition up uh, to uh, New Hampshire. Yeah, so I, I actually went after VCU, went back to William Mary, got my law degree, and then uh, was out in Omaha for three years uh, as an assistant AD. And the opportunity to come back to the East Coast, all of my family is out here. Uh, that was wonderful. So uh, I was in Hanover for 14 years. Uh, immensely thankful for that experience at Dartmouth. Some of my closest friends in the world. Uh, worked with them there. Uh, many of them are still there, but a lot have moved on as well. And it was just an opportunity to do things the right way. And I've always been, or at least like to think I am, a pretty principled person. And so when you're in the Ivy League in Division One, uh, you're sometimes tilting against windmills. You're doing things in a very contrarian way. But it was an amazing experience uh, just being able to be in that league for so long. And, and professionally, I had the opportunity to grow and uh, was, had great mentors at Dartmouth who really encouraged me to get involved in NCAA service, where, which, which I had the opportunity to do serving on several sport committees and other NCAA uh, cabinets, which, you know, it, it just really helped me kind of fully form my ideas on as an administrator. And, and then you start to realize the type of schools that you want to be at supporting the student experience. And um, once you once you've been in a place like Dartmouth, you've been in a league like the Ivy League. There are very few places that live up to that standard. Uh, the NESCAC, uh, Trinity, certainly live up to that standard, yep. but it's, yep. it's, a, it's a really high bar, and there's a lot of places you say, gosh, I, I don't know if I want to go uh, work in that conference or work at that school simply because I've had the opportunity to work with some really unique and special students uh, at the places I've been. And that what you were interested that got me thinking. Now, you said you got a law degree, so how did that all work in with your career and uh, how have you used that now in your current day? Well, I hit the wall where I said, gosh, I don't know if I want to be, um, I don't know if I want to be doing, you know, PR and broadcasting forever. Uh, I loved, I, you know, I did over 700 Division One basketball games in my career, but uh, I, I just wasn't sure if that was what I wanted to do forever. And so I knew I wanted to be a leader. I thought I had some capabilities to, uh, really synthesize ideas for a department and share a vision and lead a department forward. So I went a let I did a letter writing campaign. So I literally wrote hand let handwritten letters to a bunch of people I had met in my career and said, "Here's what I've done to this point. What do you think? You know, should I get an MBA? Should I get a uh, go back and get my doctorate?" And uh, I was very fortunate. A few people said, "You know, law school really is a place where you'll learn to think. You'll learn to advocate." Uh, you'll learn to present, and it was a great experience for me. So I knew that that was really just training for being a leader, um, being someone who could articulate arguments and solve problems, and that's what it's turned out to be. So um, it was a, it was a means to an end. I went to law school knowing I never wanted to practice. Uh, my mom still uh, gets on me every probably every second or third holiday. She'll say, "So when are you going to take the bar and actually you know start practicing law?" Uh, <laughs> But uh, say love it's it was a it was a great experience and, and just propelled me and you know when you when you ask that question how do you use I use it every single day because it's about a way of thinking it's a way it's about a way of problem solving 
of, of mediating problems and you, you get you get in the in the space when something needs to be solved and you often have competing interests and so you've got to uh, work through those things where you've got two people they've got a, you've got a problem to solve and so I, I think that training I use it every single day um, to this day and it, it was a it was a, it was a great decision then it's something I encourage a lot of young people now to think about um, just because it gives you an opportunity to really you know, form your ideas. That's very interesting. Very, very cool to hear. Uh, and Drew, let's talk about, too, you're obviously Senior Associate Athletic Director at 2008 at Dartmouth, so you're doing that for a while. What opened your eyes to Trinity College? What did you know about Trinity? Um, obviously, you were very comfortable at Dartmouth. What, what made you make the jump to uh, become the Athletic Director at Trinity? So, I certainly had my eyes on both Ivy and NESCAC openings when they came open as ADs. And I, I, I worked for one of my best friends at Dartmouth, a longtime mentor, Harry Shee, who was a, 17 years, he was the basketball coach at Williams, and then 10 years he was the AD there before he became the AD at Dartmouth. So I knew of the NESCAC. And and then just over time, you, you, you make these observations. And the great thing about the, the Ivy League, uh, I think BC is a little bit like this too, or a lot like this. Um, those kids are going to be fine no matter what. Um, and so no matter what anybody in the athletic administration does at a place like Dartmouth or at Columbia or Yale, all those kids are going to be just fine in life. And so I, I really thought I wanted to be an athletic director somewhere that needed my help, that aspired to be something great. Uh, but maybe just needed a little bit of extra oomph to get there. And so I had Trinity circled among really only four or five jobs in the country that I would leave Dartmouth for. I would have been very content to stay at Dartmouth. When Trinity opened up, I knew it was an opportunity for uh, where I was in my career to not only be the leader, uh, be in that number one chair, and and to Im- implement my vision but also at a place where I thought that I would be valued, but also would um, would really push me. And so I like being someplace like Trinity where we do have a little bit of that fighter spirit. And we talk about the, 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 the bantam in the barnyard, right? It's a, it's a proud little chicken who doesn't, doesn't really realize how small, how small he is, but he's going to give everybody a fight. That's what, that's what a Trinity bantam is. And so I wanted to be someplace where we were a little bit of the underdog, and so we might be an underdog because uh, just because we don't have what some other schools have, uh, whether it's financially or, you know, we don't have a perfect campus in the woods. But we, we are. We're of the city of Hartford. We love it. We love being of this community. We love who we are. And I thought that I could really make a difference here and maybe maybe give some of that, be the, the special sauce, if you will, uh, to help Trinity realize across the board greatness. And Drew, what have you learned as the difference from being like the number two to the number one chair? Has it been an adjustment when you're making the shots? You're calling the shots. Yeah, it's, I, I think the most interesting thing is that sometimes you do wonder, oh my gosh, why does every decision end on my table? And I think that's a little bit more of a difference between Division One and Division Three than um, than you know being the number one guy is just the work. Division three athletic department is just a little bit smaller than division one athletic department. And so there's almost a full administrative layer that's missing. So a lot of things that probably don't require my attention just end up on my desk because there's no one else to make the decision. 
But I think the biggest thing is that you can have a tremendous impact on the psyche of a department as a leader. And so how you approach your work every day, uh, if you do it up with an optimism that we're going to achieve things, we're going to do things well, we're going to care about each other, and, and we're going to go forward together, you can do that. Um, I'll give you an example. So we were heading into the, the middle of our fall, and it was just about time to have um, – we were going into the homecoming weekend, and I told my staff, I said, we're going to do essentially a pep rally. We're not going to call it a pep rally, but it's basically a pep rally. I've had more people might come up to me and tell me I thought that was going to land flat on its face. But part of this is you're the leader, and you say, gosh, we need a little shot in the arm heading into homecoming weekend. We need to be appreciative of, of all that our fall sport teams are doing and how they're progressing this season, but also just bringing our, our, all of our department together and, uh, and bring everybody just to celebrate the fact that we're this really significant community on our campus. We're about 40% of the undergraduate population is playing a varsity sport. Wow. We've got all these professionals among our coaches and our staff who are working hard to, to make this thing go. So I think it's important to really just celebrate that from time to time. And so when you're, when you're the leader, you get to make that decision. Now, you've got, of course, have to live with the consequences if it, if it goes sideways. But when it goes well, then you say, gosh, I, I made a difference. And so I think that's something that um, you just have to be comfortable making those decisions or not. I was fortunately uh, worked for people who allowed me to make a lot of decisions before. So I don't think the idea of making a decision, but it definitely it is um, – it's a different world when you know everything just kind of sits on your shoulders. And if something goes wrong, it's on you. But if it goes right, it's on you as well. So um, I, I, I don't mind being in that position. Well, Drew, we talked about the success on the field with the team. Let's talk about off the field, the fundraising efforts that are happening, the plans, and really the next couple of months what we can expect uh, for Trini alums and fans. Well, it's an exciting time. So we're, we're heading towards, uh, in, in 2023, It'll be the bicentennial of Trinity College, uh, 200 years of existence. And so the institution is making a lot of uh, plans towards what, what does that look like? What does the third century of our, our great institution look like? So we are very fortunate that in athletics, we have started fundraising efforts uh, for a capital campaign. So we'll do a couple things. Number one, we want to secure our financial future. And so athletics is one of those areas of the institution that people are really passionate about. So if through that passion we can raise our athletic endowments, and so those are those are permanent funds that just you know turn out a certain percentage per year, that allows the college to then take money and push it into other places. So if we can have a sustainable uh, financial future, that takes away some other financial pressure on the institution. So that's that's piece number one. Uh, piece number two is we do have to have a solution out at Jesse Miller Field where uh, where we play football, men's lacrosse, run track, and then on the back side of that is Robin L. Shepherd Field where we play field hockey and lacrosse. Uh, those stands are have seen better days, and so it's time for us to to move forward. And we love you know the the plans right now are to do a uh, a combined stadium where we would have on one side you would have the football, men's lacrosse stands, on the other side you'd have field hockey, lacrosse some type of shared modern press box in between. And so then we would uh, eventually get rid of that, um, that blue monstrosity that's under the oak trees on the far side that uh, really we're one good gust of wind away from that falling down anyway. So it, it, it is time. <laughs> so we're, we really want to do a nice stadium out there. And then the other piece uh, that we've been talking about is a, uh, is a squash center uh, 
befitting of our programs that really are the best programs in the country. Yep. And so that will also allow us to uh, meet another part of the college's strategic plan, which is investing in our community. Uh, we, sp- uh, we host a large urban squash initiative called Capital Squash. Yes. Uh, Capital Squash is its own 501c3, but they actually operate out of our squash courts every day. And so they're now into the, I believe, the low 70s in terms of those are third through eighth graders from the neighborhoods right around Trinity College in the South End who come and do squash as well as math, English, and other tutoring every single day. So it's an opportunity for us to support that program the way it should be supported, but also support our two varsity teams. And then if you know, we're, we're imagining something that would be a differential type of squash facility that would allow us to host professional tournament events and also have a robust membership, something that you wouldn't see. There's nothing like it between, quite frankly, Philadelphia and Boston right now. And so, uh, so that's, that's in the plans as well, and that would also allow us uh, the opportunity to decompress and do some other student fitness pieces in the places in the building where, where we do squash right now, which is a, a huge piece for us. One of our department tenants is uh, living lives of wellness, and so we want to support the entire student body in living lives of wellness. Very exciting news. Very exciting, Drew. Uh, what can we look for on the courts in the winter season, short term? What could fans expect? I think it's going to be a fun winter uh, here at Trinity. Uh, uh, Men's hockey is off to another good start. They're nationally ranked, and we certainly expect Coach Greason's team to be right there at the end of the NESCAC uh, championship in in early March. So expect great things from men's ice hockey. Uh, If you're a hardwood fan, men's and women's basketball are both going to be very strong this year. Uh, Coach Cosgrove has a great group on men's basketball. I think they're going to be a top two, top three team in the NESCAC this year, and should be fighting for it on the final weekend. And Emily Garner's got a great bunch in women's basketball. They are uh, they're good. They, they've got great players back. They've got a couple of really talented freshmen. They're getting up and down the floor playing at a faster speed than they've been able to the last few years. So expect a lot of W's out of both basketball teams. Uh, both squash teams are, are going to be where they usually are. Men are ranked number one in the country. It'll come down to Trinity and Harvard for the men's national championship. And on the women's side, women are ranked number two to Harvard. So it's going to be probably Trinity Harvard in both squash uh, national finals this year. So it's going to be a fun winter, lots of, uh, lots of really interesting things to watch for, and we're, we're very excited to, to go through the next few months. But want it to go too fast. We want to enjoy a lot of those W's as well. And there will be some, no question about it. There'll be a lot of W's for Trinity. Uh, co- last, uh, last couple of minutes we have here, Drew, I'd like to learn, what do you enjoy outside of the office? So what, what do you like to do your free time? Boy, I'm really going to sound like a sports geek. So uh, last night, I have a four-month-old son, Ben, and uh, last night was my night to uh, take all the overnight feedings. So I was kind of excited. I was able to stay up late and watch that. Uh, there was a great NFL Monday night game on. So I, I'll do that. I Pretty much, uh, if, if I'm watching something on TV, I'm watching sports. Uh, so I, I love almost every single sport out there. Um, I know that sounds a little pedestrian for the, oh, big news, the athletic director is really into sports, but um, <laughs> I, I do uh, do follow it all really closely. Um, and then, uh, you know, I'm a bit of a history buff as well. So I, I do, uh, I, I, I like my, my history channel and love reading, uh, love reading history as well. How do, you, how do you like the Hartford community as well? Your family, you've been here for about a year. How, how do you enjoy it and the whole uh, area? We absolutely love it. So we're settled into Avon. Uh, we love it. Um, it it's a uh, we're 
very fond of the, of the Farmington Valley, but we spent a lot of time in West Hartford. We spent a lot of time in the city of Hartford itself. So we have, uh, it's, it's been a, it's been great for us. Um, my wife's not from, my wife's actually from outside of Boston, so from Western Mass. And, but my family, uh, my mother's actually grew up in Waterbury. And so, wow. uh, so this is a little bit of coming full circle. My parents are retired up in Maine, but it's really neat that uh, now I'm kind of living in the area of her youth. Uh, and so when she was a, when she was a little girl, her dad was a plumber, and on Sunday they would uh, they would drive to whatever the biggest news story of of Connecticut was that week. So there was a time, and I believe in the fifties uh, when there was a, a, a cathedral in Hartford that burnt to the ground. So that that Sunday they would drive to go see where the cathedral burnt down, or whatever the news story was. So uh, all these towns that I've heard of. Uh, in my youth from my mother are now kind of, that's, that's my life. And so we, we love the Hartford area. Well, that's, that's excellent. That's great. I know Trinity's excited to have you on board. And Coach, uh, Drew, I wish you a lot of success in the future and uh, especially those fundraising campaigns. I know it's going to be a, a big time and exciting time for Trinity College and Trinity College Athletics. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that, Mike. It's going to be, it is going to be fun. And, and this is really all about us creating a bright future for Trinity student-athletes for our programs and a, and a place that so many people love so deeply. And, and uh, I, I wouldn't be here if not for the passion of our alumni and uh, our families and the, and the students who go here. So we have a wonderful, wonderful institution, a great athletic program, and it's, it's just a real honor to get to support that on a daily basis. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Mike.